Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to be with you again. I want you to experience uh, what uh, I show my patients on a daily basis. I want them to understand how they function. And uh, Rosie and I uh, travel probably uh, 30, 40 times a year to uh, give health seminars all over North America. And uh, the problem in alternative medicine, or complementary medicine, some would call it, is there's a lot of new age gurus in there. And uh, the Lord uh, reminds me of every time that I would speak at a secular meeting, is to remind people of the Lord Jesus. And uh, today, I want to, uh, for you to, um, to understand the necessity of blood, the trampling of blood, and the protection of blood. So pretend for a minute you're a patient in my office. You're going to uh, spend some time with me, and I want to, you to understand a few things about how your body works. So let's uh, look at that. Uh, but before you do, uh, let me read a verse to you. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. You might be very familiar with this. Uh, I wish medicine had read this a long time ago because uh, they, uh, they would have never uh, gotten into bloodletting, um, taking blood out of your body to heal you. As you well know now, uh, medicine is caught up to the Bible. And uh, they give blood transfusions to save your life, right? But that wasn't always the case. Uh, they used to take blood out of your body. So let's just uh, read a few verses. Uh, Leviticus chapter 17 and reading from verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. And uh, go down to verse 14. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for life thereof. Okay, so let's start with that, the necessity of blood. So have a look. What you're looking at there is peripheral blood. What do I mean by that? It's taken from a little drop of blood taken from your finger up to on a slide like this, literally a slide this big, put under 1800 magnification under a microscope, which I have in my office, I show people their blood, it looks something like this, and what you're looking at are red blood cells. On a slide like that, you've got in your body five liters, for you Americans that don't know anything, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what is five liters? How much blood do you have in your body? Anybody want to put their hand up? Where's those kids? Kids know more than we do. Uh, Bob? About a gallon of blood. Well, I know that in uh, Canada, uh, we say liters, right? You guys say gallons, okay? And uh, in your body, you have about five liters of blood, which would be probably about one and a half gallons of blood in your body, okay? But on a slide like this, you have about five million red blood cells that you could look under a microscope. That's in one drop, one drop of peripheral blood. Okay, so there you're looking at blood, the necessity of blood. The Bible states it. It's very clear that um, with 
without blood, this is the river of life in your body. Let me tell you a story about a, uh, someone that I knew very well that lived right next door to us. She was out driving with her husband one day on a Saturday night, as a matter of fact. I'll never forget it. And uh, she, uh, I believe at the time, was about 42 years old, in perfect health. She was driving down a country road in our hometown. And um, as they went through an intersection on a country road, come out of nowhere was a pickup truck and came uh, and didn't see the stop sign and went right through that intersection and hit my neighbor on her side. Her husband was driving, Dr. Flatman, and she was uh, sitting in the passenger seat, and she was hit from the side very, very hard, but they had a big car. It didn't even roll over, and uh, Dr. Flatman said to his wife, how are you feeling? And she said, you know what? I think I'm all right. How about you? I feel great. He said, I'm all right. They were a little shook up, but they were all right. In one hour, she was dead. And my friend, Dr. Verbeek, performed the autopsy. And he said to me, he said, Tony, you have never seen a body at that age in good a shape as she was. Her organs were as pink as you could be. Uh, her lungs were beautiful. Every organ, uh, this lady probably, unless she, what happened to her, um, hadn't happened, she probably would have lived uh, till uh, a ripe old age because, boy, was she ever in good shape. He said, I've never seen uh, blood vessels that had no uh, atherosclerosis, meaning no plaque in the arteries, nothing. But she was dead. What happened? Well, when that car hit her, the truck hit her side door, she sprung so fast and so hard, you can imagine the force of the impact and what happened, it just so happened, it created a little pinprick in her abdominal aorta, and she bled out. She was dead within an hour. They couldn't even diagnose it because she had no symptoms. Started feeling weak about a half an hour uh, as they arrived home uh, from the accident, and she was dead within the hour. Folks, the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. It's the river of life. Because your blood carries all your oxygen and all your nutrients. So when you eat, folks, there is delivery right there. From your bowel, where your food is divided into two, what your body doesn't need goes out, and what, goes, uh, what your body needs is sent into the blood for delivery. And every time you breathe, these red blood cells, what do they do? They are full of hemoglobin. And what's hemoglobin? It's the white part of that. You don't see it perhaps as well on this slide. But the white part of that red blood cell is called hemoglobin. What's hemoglobin? It is a hormone that's very sticky. And every time you breathe, those red blood cells go by your lungs and oxygen sticks to those red blood cells. Isn't that beautiful? But that just happened, by the way. Medicine teaches that. That just happened. There was no designer of that. That happened by chance. But isn't it interesting that red blood cells take your oxygen? But you know what? They really don't, you know. That hemoglobin has to be converted. Because what happens if you have red blood cells, 
carrying oxygen through your blood vessels, you will get a pulmonary embolism. You will form uh, an embolism. You can't have oxygen, pure oxygen. That's why you see a nurse, right? Before she delivers a needle. Or a doctor, before they put a needle in you. What do they do? They take the oxygen out of it. But your red blood cells know that. So what do they do? Well, they convert that oxygen, O2, to an inert gas. It's done instantly, millions of times a day. As you're sitting here right now, folks, it's happening in your body right now. Those red blood cells, as they pick up oxygen, are converting it to an inert gas. Then they send it through your blood vessels, and then it goes through your capillaries. Do you know that red blood cells have to... The capillaries are so small that red blood cells have to line up in single file to go through your capillaries before they deliver to your cells the oxygen that you need to live. So your cells open up to the oxygen after the red blood cell is converted back, that inert gas, back to O2, your oxygen, so that you can breathe and live. Isn't that amazing? But the red blood cell is not finished, folks. It's not done yet. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So those red blood cells on the way back become waste management. What do they do? They take your waste from your cells. You've got trillions of cells, not billions, trillions of cells in your body. Each one of them, amazing, has DNA. If, if, um, if Darwin would have known about DNA, he would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But back a couple of hundred years ago, he didn't understand DNA. He didn't even know DNA existed. You know what DNA is? It's the computer chip in every cell that you have in your body, folks. Every cell in your body has DNA. And in that DNA of one cell, I just rubbed off thousands of cells onto the floor. And every one of those cells has DNA in it. It's a microchip that contains each cell. Listen to this. Enough information to fill 500 books of 1,000 pages each. That's how much information is in every cell in your body. And you have different cells than everybody else in this room, by the way. You have different DNA than everyone else in this room. Because God is a God of individuals, and God made you special. Isn't that beautiful? I try and teach this to my patients. That they understand when I'm showing them the blood, it's amazing. You take it for granted. You can't live without it. It has all your information, God-ordained in it. Isn't that wonderful? But you know what, folks? On the way back, because the, the job is only half done, now they've got to take that waste out of your body. But you know that they cannot take, you know what your waste uh, is, is like? It's, it's carbon monoxide. Your red blood cells have to deal with that. So what do they do? Well, carbon monoxide would kill you, wouldn't it? Do you know that you have baking soda in your body? You might have it in your fridge, but you have it in your body. It's called sodium bicarbonate. That every time your red blood cell comes away from another cell to take away waste, it can't take that carbon monoxide into your bloodstream. It will kill you. So what does it do? Your body releases 
baking soda. And it converts that gas to a carbon dioxide. And now your blood vessels will take it out and send it into your lungs and your kidneys and everything else, your skin, to excrete waste products. Do you think that just happened by chance? Do you think there was no designer? Do you think for one minute, I used to be an evolutionist, what a fool. But you see, folks, the necessity of blood. The necessity of blood. Now, what I can't show you here, I had it on another slide that's out in the car, but that's all right. I'd have to use an overhead. I wanted to show you what a free radical is. Now, you might think of a free radical as somebody that, uh, you know, uh, protest, uh, you know, in the streets or whatever. No, your body has free radicals. You know what that is? It's oxidative damage. It's these cells become damaged. I show patients that. I said, you see that cell? Yes. That's a sign of oxidative damage. It means that your body is starting to decay. Folks, you're rusting out. Oxygen will get you. The same oxygen that you live by will kill you. Isn't that amazing? And you can see it. I show people in their blood. As a matter of fact, I had a nine-year-old child in my office the other day. And the mother is beside herself because she's been to every doctor uh, that you can think of. They can't find anything. I take a little blood test. I do the blood, saliva, and urine. And uh, this kid's way out of whack in all of his numbers. But one of the things that really astonished me at his age was that um, his, his cells were being enormously damaged by free radicals. What does that mean? He was aging prematurely. And I said to his mom, I wrote her a little note to go back to her family doctor, and within two weeks, she called me and said, you were right, Dr. Martin, he's got a brain tumor. Folks, that's what cancer is. Cancer is premature aging of the body. Now listen, the necessity of the blood is this, that when God told Adam and Eve that if they disobeyed, they would surely die, it's exactly what happened to them. You've got to remember that Adam and Eve were built to last forever. They had no decay no oxygenation. You know what oxygenation does? Oxygenation acidifies your body. What does that mean? Your body's pH changes, and you start to rust out. You start to die. And that's what God warned Adam and Eve what would happen, right? He did that. That if you disobey me, you will surely die. And what happened... And I, I could be wrong on this, okay? So this is Tony Martin's speculation on what happened. I, I think I'm right based on uh, the Bible, but God might correct me when I get to heaven. But I still preach it anyways, because I, I think I'm right. And that is, you know what God did when Adam and Eve disobeyed? He touched their blood. Their blood would have no decay, no free radicals. God created free radicals. 
Isn't it amazing that he took the same oxygen that you live by and now would use that oxygen to kill Adam and Eve? It took them a long time to die, right? Adam and Eve. But they did die. Now, of course, we know they died spiritually on that very day. They were separated from God, but God said that they would die physically, and they, and they have, right? And ever since then, what has happened? One out of one. Death. You see, death is part of the curse of sin. Yes, and it's part of life. It absolutely is, brother. Now, the necessity of blood. Now, let me bring you to a story that you're familiar with and talk to you about trampling of blood. Let me read a few verses here in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the flat, fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and unto his offering he hath not respect. Folks, this is a very, very important principle. This is under the title, not necessity of blood, but the trampling of blood. And let me explain. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, you remember the story well. They hid from God, didn't they? They covered their sin. They covered themselves with fig leaves. Do you remember that? you remember the story? Well, you know what, the folks? Those fig leaves wouldn't do. Because as God went out in the cool of the day, as he always did, and he cried out, Adam, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Now, of course, God knew where Adam was. But God wanted Adam to know where he was, and that was he was lost. Here's Adam and Eve, and they're covering up their sin. They're covering up, and God said, that won't do. That won't do. Because we go back now to the necessity of blood, right? So Adam and Eve, in a, in a, in a I believe, again, in a horrific scene, they had never seen death before. They had never seen an animal die. And we, 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 we understand this from reading that at the time, what did God do? They had sinned. He made provision for it. What did he do for Adam and Eve? He skinned an animal. Now listen. In this day and age... I think you would understand this more than it would when even when I was a kid. Not that we didn't have pets, of course we did. But today people are pet crazy. I'm telling my grandchildren to become pet psychiatrists. 
I'm not kidding you. There's a profession for it. I read yesterday in the Sudbury Star, okay, a newspaper, I was showing my wife uh, 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 this story that there's a veterinarian in Sudbury uh, who talks, listen, listen, to horses. But that's not the point. She's a veterinarian, but she said in the Sudbury Star that she started a new profession amongst veterinarians that they now understand what the horse says back to them. I shake my head. Doesn't matter. I don't want to get away from the point. The point is that God, in an object lesson that Adam and Eve never forgot, he took one of their pets, and I believe it was a lamb, and he slew that lamb. He got in front of them, slit that lamb's throat, skinned the animal, and covered Adam and Eve with the skins of their pet. They never forgot not only the necessity of blood, they never forgot the object lesson that Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Here we are transported now to a scene where we read of their kids. We read of Cain. And we read of Abel. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 and 4, the Bible tells us that Abel by faith, brought an offering to God that was pleasing to God. Without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. You see, if you don't get this, folks, if you don't understand this, you'll never get the importance of this story here. You have to understand what happened here. Abel and Cain were brought up in the same home. They heard the gospel. They heard the story of Adam and Eve's sin, the result of sin. And they found out what the provision was to appease God. And it was nothing short of blood. By faith, Abel, what did he do? He brought an offering of blood to that altar that day. By faith. Faith cometh by. I love those little kids. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, Abel, and parents don't ever forget this. You teach your kids the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Abel, by faith, because of the hearing the word of God, on without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He brought that offering. But here's Cain. Cain is a trampler of blood. Cain, who heard the same story as Abel did. And he saw his parents transformed 
by the word of God and the fact that they got saved because they trusted in the blood. Folks, I tell you that Cain is the father, listen, of all religions. Cain is the father of all religions. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us clearly that if you trample on the blood of Christ, you are a child of the devil. The Bible tells us that Cain was a child of the devil. But that's not the only place that that is found in the Bible. You know that, eh? You're a child of the devil if you are religious. And Jesus, when he was on this planet, you know what he spent most of his time doing? Like swatting off flies in northern Ontario, mosquitoes. And that's where the religious people that were around them like gnats around. And the Lord said to them on one day, it's found in Luke's gospel in chapter 11. He said, you know what, you Pharisees, you religious people, you are guilty of the blood of Abel. And you are guilty of all the prophets and the blood right up to Zechariah. Why did Jesus say that? That imagine they were guilty of trampling on the blood because you know what had happened in the religious Jewish system? It was by works. And every religion in this world, my folks, I'm glad I'm not religious because religion is me. Religion is do. You go through Pembroke Pines or you come to Hollywood in my area and let's go door to door and 99.9% .9 of the people will tell you how they can get to heaven and be right with God. They will talk about religion. I am doing, I am doing, and I am doing. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29, do you suppose, let me put Tony's version on it, do you suppose that God will take lightly those who have rejected the blood that can save you Trampling on the blood. When you try to get to heaven on your own, folks, when you try without blood, you're trampling on the blood. You're trampling on the very Son of God. Paul, to the, in the letter to the Galatians, said, if righteousness could be obtained by the law, then, what? Christ died for nothing. Every religion that you can think of is founded by Cain. From the Jehovah Witnesses to the Mormons to the Muslims to the Protestants to the whatever-ism. 
They all come from Cain. And I'll tell you what, folks. The third part of this is you need to be covered by the blood. The necessity of the blood, trampling on the blood, and being covered in the blood. Let me bring you to Hebrews, uh, excuse me, to Exodus chapter 12. And you know this again, but I want to just uh, make a few points about covering. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, uh, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And the story goes on. You know what God had added up to here? with the Egyptians and especially Pharaoh. God had had it up to here. And God said to the men, go get a lamb. Now daddies, daddies, fathers, any fathers in the room? Anybody going to be a father? Can I talk to you for a second personally? Ladies, this is not for you. You don't have to listen. You know who's to be the spiritual head of the home? Daddy. Daddy's supposed to be. And in, in Exodus chapter 12, right? Daddy is the head of the home. And daddy was to go get the lamb. Now listen to me. Just from 30 years, uh, thir no, hey. 31, sorry. 31 years of Tony Martin's experience. Let me share it with you men. Ladies, it's not for you. And don't give them an elbow. <laughs> By and large, this is my experience. Men, men, if you don't take the lead in your home, If you don't bring the lamb home, men, I'm talking to you. There's a real good chance some of your kids are going to spend eternity in hell. Did you hear me say it? Men, if you don't take the lead and bring the lamb into your home, there's a good chance that some of your kids are going to end up in hell. And the reason I get so passionate about it, because I have gone across the United States of America and Canada, speaking to young people for years and years and years. And I've watched those people become uh, husbands and wives. And some of them brought the lamb home. And some of them didn't. Men, and I can tell you now that I know for a fact that thousands of kids have been born from those young people that were preached the gospel to. And you know where their kids are going? They're going to hell. Because there's no lamb in the house. Men, that's you. 
We are in responsibility. God has put us in that position. And if you're not a leader in the home and you haven't brought the lamb home, you know what, ladies? The reason I didn't talk to you, because this has been my experience over the years. You know what? I don't worry about women too much. I found this, that if a man is really a man, and if a man is really a man of God, that woman will submit to that man without any issues at all. If he's sincere and Christ is first, those children, you know what happens in that home? They see their daddy. And they, kids, I don't care if you're a girl or you're a boy. Daddy will set the spiritual temperature in that home. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Let's get back to the blood. That was a little sidetrack. I get emotional. I get passionate. I got the can't help it. Because it breaks my heart to see homes that don't follow Christ. It breaks my heart to see kids that are more interested in the world. It breaks my heart to see, you know, uh, kids that are more interested in, uh, in the things of the world than the things of God. God said this, men, go get that lamb. You bring it into your home and you observe it. You, you fetch it and then you observe it. Make sure it's perfect because it's going to be a picture of my son. You make sure it has no flaw. You make sure it has no warts. You make sure it has no disease. And then you know what we're going to do on the 14th day? From the 10th to the 14th, you're going to observe it. On the 14th day, you're going to slay that lamb. And you're going to let that blood pour in a basin. And you're going to take some hyssop. And you're going to paint the doors. You're going to go in front of your house. And you're going to paint. Take the hyssop. Dip it in the blood. And you're going to paint it. And you're going to go up and down. Don't put it on the floor. Don't put it on the floor. I don't want anybody trampling on the blood. You put it on the doorpost. You put it on the top. And you put it on the side. Now I've always read... Uh, Exodus chapter 12, I think the wrong way. You know why? Because I always said that on that Passover night, the very first one, God said, I'll look for the blood. If I see the blood, I'll pass over. That's what Passover means, right? If I see the blood on your doorpost, I'll pass over your house. But you know what? That's not what happened though. I know you're going to come at me after the meeting. Tony, I can show it to you. I, I know, but you just, you know, let, me, let me finish. Because you know what happened? You know who did the killing that night? It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It was the angel of death. He came over. He looked over the houses. Where's the blood? Oh, there's the blood. But where was God that night? Where was God that night? Here he was. He was on the doorpost, see? That's where God was. The angel of death came over and he looked and he sees this, see? Hey, 
Don't come in this house by protecting this house. The blood protected, you see. You see what you see why you gotta be covered? You see, folks, when God looks at you and you're covered by the blood, you know what he sees? He sees his son. He can't go, the death angel can't come after you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you know what, folks? God, didn't he? At the cross of Calvary. He went. And you know what I have done? And I pray that you have done? That you covered yourself with the blood of the Lamb. You see, by faith, 30 years ago, 31 years ago, for the first time in my life, I had heard the Lamb of God in every Mass that I ever went. I memorized the Mass in French, English, and Latin. And in French, English, and Latin, there's a part of the Mass that says, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Do you know that Tony Martin, for 30 years, and I mean this, I never understood what that meant. I didn't. I said it. I memorized it. I never knew what that meant. I didn't know what the Lamb, I didn't know. I didn't know about Cain. I didn't never heard that story. I mean it. I never heard Abel. I never heard the name. I, maybe I had a friend called Abel. But I didn't know there was a Bible story about that. I never understood the blood. And it wasn't until I was 30 years old that God, in his mercy, I saw the cross for the first time and understood that that's what he meant by the Lamb of God. Which taketh away the sins of the world. And I remember going on my knees and saying, now I understand that the innocent had to die for the guilty for me. And I went to that cross, folks. I went to that cross on October the 14th in 1982. And I went to the cross. And by faith, just like Abel, just like Abel, I went there by faith. And I realized that that lamb that didn't deserve to be there was going to take my place, just like God showed with that lamb, with Adam and Eve, that fig leaves would never cover sin. It can't. It took blood. Folks, do you understand now the necessity of blood? Do you understand now don't trample on the blood? Do you understand now the covering of the blood? Let me finish with this. There's a story told in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 22. It's a story of, of, uh, of the king having a banquet for his son. It's a wedding banquet. He invites people to come. Oh, they're too busy. They got things to do. Some other time, king. And many, he said to his servants, go, because people that I asked to come won't come. He said, would you go into the highways and byways and invite anybody that will come? And they came, and they came. Isn't that beautiful? They're still coming, folks. 
They're still coming. I was in the office on Friday morning, and a guy came in at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I was going to explain to him the river of life, and understanding. I was showing him the results of all his tests, and I didn't even get it out. He said, Dr. Martin, let me tell you something. The wheels on the bus are coming off of my life. I'm coming apart at the seams, Dr. Martin. I am so stressed. He says, I, I've been in so much sin and I, I can't handle it anymore. Oh, my God. I said, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to show this man whom God died for, to show him that there was hope, that you could come you can still come. You can still go to the foot of the cross. Isn't that beautiful? And here's a guy that's got shoulders bigger than two of me, crying like a baby in my office. I said, oh, praise you, Lord, Jesus Christ. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. There's one guy, though. Read the story yourself in Matthew chapter 22. They're all seated and they're all dressed for the occasion. And the king comes in and he sees one guy, one person that's not dressed properly. And the king asks, how did you get in here? Take him out. Take him out and send him to the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, listen. I don't know some of you. I don't. I don't know where you stand, some of you. I really don't. Only you do, and God does. Folks, you don't ever want to get at the end of your days and find out something that you perhaps you never really understood and that find out that you've never been covered by the blood of the Lamb. The garment that will get you into heaven is the blood that was shed for you. You will put on that garment of Christ. And as Christ, they look down God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when they see the righteousness of God you're covered in, the death angel will pass over you. God will cover you himself. Isn't that beautiful? God will cover you himself. The necessity of blood, the trampling of blood, and the protection of blood. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, O God. Thank you for your precious son. Thank you, Father, that the provision for our sin has been made. Father, I pray that this morning we just be all in awe of our God. The one who created blood, by the way. The one that uh, made it the river of life, that you can't live without it. And Father, we thank you for that blood of the Lamb of God. There was only one. The only righteous one that never sinned. The only blood that's so pure 
that it could cover a sinner like me. The Bible says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though thy sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Thank you, Father, for the washing of the blood. The blood washes away our sin. Thank you for that, O oh God. I pray this morning, perhaps there's some here, maybe there's some even in Sunday school today that never have really understood the cross of Calvary, never understood why the lamb had to die. Father, would that come clear to them by faith today? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.